NG Meets is brought to you by NG Digital. Check out our website at www.ng-digital.co.uk and you can follow us on Twitter at NG Digital UK or find us at facebook.com forward slash digital. On NG Digital. Hello, welcome once again to NG Meets, your brand new show from NG Digital. And uh, we've got a great show coming up for you today. We had a chat with Les Brad, Notts County legend and all-time record goal scorer. More on that in a moment. Just a reminder that if you haven't heard it yet, you can still check out interview with Henry Normal from last week's launch show. Uh, that was a fascinating chat with the uh, poet, TV producer and comedian there. We've got a long history, worked with so many people. Great chat, talked about some fantastic stuff. And you can check that out. Head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash NG Digital. And you can find a link through to that to listen to it however you want. And we're hoping to get these up available to you via things like iTunes and that in the very near future as well, just to make things even easier. Uh, Talking of Henry Normal, he was involved in the uh, appointment or the uh, crowning of the first Nottingham Youth Poet Laureate that was announced this week. It was on Thursday, which was National Poetry Day. A massive congratulations to Georgina Wilding, who was named the very first ever Nottingham Youth Poet Laureate. Uh, hoping that I might be able to get her on on a future show to talk about her work. Uh, great stuff there on that. So uh, well worth checking out uh, Georgina's work if you can. So back to today's show. As we said, we've got Les Brad. I went down to Meadow Lane and had a chat with Les in the week. This was just before, this is actually on Tuesday, so it was before the game against Exeter, which obviously a brilliant result in that. Uh, Les had plenty to say. Obviously, we talked about his upcoming book, Far Post, which launches on uh, Saturday the 7th of October. He's got plenty to tell us about his history, but there's a lot of talk as well about the differences between when Les played when he, uh, to how it is now, how football's changed for him talks about his event next week for the book. We also talks about the way things are going on at Knotts, you know, how things are behind the scenes now as well. Some great stuff from Lesda. I hope you're really going to enjoy this show. As I said, his book, Far Post, that's out on Saturday, 7th of October, which is, of course, Knotts uh, playing Forest Green Rovers in their community day next week. They've got some great ticket offers on for that. Head over to knottscountyfc.co.uk for that. Check out the... Uh, supporters you know club shop where you'll be able to find out more about Les's book which is coming out then great book we hope you're going to enjoy this show we talked about many things with Les as I said uh, among them the statue fund which is how I first got to know Les when I was involved in that and that before we move on to the interview I just wanted to briefly mention a fantastic interview in this month's Left Lion magazine uh, it's with Andy Black who along with his wife Lisa was a, a key fundamental part of the statue fund campaign for several years helping get it completed and installed and he's got a talk and they talks it's, it's predominantly about um, Tom Savage who was the individual that uh, gave Juventus the shirt black and white shirts that fun started what's become a, a link uh, it's a great interview they talked about some of his other involvements in campaigns for knots as well so that's well worth checking out that's in the latest issue of left line which is available free from various uh, places around the city centre and beyond. Make sure you check that out. In the meantime, this is the chat. Uh, NG meets Les Brad, Notts County legend and all-time record goal scorer. Enjoy. NG Digital. Okay. So uh, I'm here with Les Brad We're at Medellane. It's quite quiet around here, too, I guess, because they've, they've all gone off, haven't they? So. Um, there's a large business seminar taking place, about 100 of them, so they're probably eating right, right. <laughs> And obviously there's a game tonight as well, isn't there? So, and right, it's down in Exeter as well, isn't it? Yeah, um, we've had a limit put on the ticket allocation. Yeah. Uh, I think it was around 350, and uh, there wasn't too many left this morning. In fact, some supporters have been in snapping up tickets, um, worried that they might not yeah. be able to get in, so... I'm hoping everybody will get in that uh, that can make it. Yes, I mean, I think you you sometimes forget, you don't you? That obviously, you know, despite playing in League Two, we have a big, you know, ground built that was built at the time we were, you know, looking at Premier. It was built to suit the requirements of the Premier League, and uh, you, I think you sometimes forget that some of these grounds down here still quite 
small ground, so not everyone can be given four thousand away uh, tickets. Well, there's uh, obviously I was uh, working here during the days of of um, Derek Pavis when he had control of the club, who incidentally took charge in 1987. The reason I'm saying that is the current owner took charge in 2017. Yeah. Um, the success that we had with Derek Pavis and before him, Jack Dunnett, who took charge in 1967. Yeah. <laughs> there is a resemblance yeah. with the three. Um, and yes, Derek's vision um, when it was necessary to, to make the stadium all seater after the Hillsborough disaster because we were a championship club or a first division, sorry, second division yeah. club at the time, um, was developing, developing this stadium into um, modern facilities with hospitality. So we had 19 executive boxes. We had two rooms that catered for 200 plus in each room another room that catered for over 100. Um, and during those days, those rooms were full. Yeah, yeah. That hasn't been the case over over recent uh, times. Um, and certainly before Christmas, we were finding it tough to get people down here to enjoy the hospitality before the game. Um, going back to last Saturday, Lincoln, there was nearly 600 people here enjoying pre-match hospitality. That's how much the club has changed over recent months. And that's, I think that's the problem, isn't it? Part of the problem is this is a, you know, Premier League, top of the Championship League ground, which comes with all of the, uh, the, the costs and things associated with that. But unfortunately at the moment, the club aren't playing at the level that they were when this ground was put together. And so that's, and I think, I think perhaps a lot of people who just see the football side of it and, you know, why isn't this being spent? Why isn't that? Don't realise the whole... Yeah, I think um, that uh, part of the interview with the current manager, Kevin Nolan, um, included a vision for the future which matched the, the owner's vision. Um, they both seem to be singing off the same hymn sheet. Um, they both see that the future of this club is with development from um, local youth, which for me is how it should be. You want local talent in the team. You don't want each season to be going looking round players that maybe ageing players that have been yeah. discarded from one club or another. You want a, um, a way of progressing through the youngsters in the academy, through to the youth teams and then through into the first team, which is how it used to be in my day. Um, and we're in the early stages of that development. And it is good to see that. And uh, as you said, that was the way it was. And I I kind of, I grew up during the Warnock, the Pavish years. And even then, you know, they, the, the players we all remember, the, the Tommy Johnsons and the Mark Drapers and Dean Yates and things like that that came up through, we had a, you know, what was a really solid, you know, uh, Mick Walker at the time was yeah. winning. And we had some great players. And, I think it's been, it's been a bit of a gun. Obviously, it went at one point, didn't it? Uh, yeah, the players that understood the the culture of of Knox County, the the family could uh, family club feel the importance of the community um, and players being in the com community, um, and the players that you just mentioned um, became popular players, yeah. became legends because of that, because they were seen at charity functions um, and getting involved on off-field um, community projects. Yeah. It's all been great in the history of Notts County Football Club. Yeah, I can remember doing the summer um, football camps and there was always, players always turn up to present the trophies at the end. Uh, it was Alan Young that used to run that. Mm -hmm. back then. Obviously, you've been associated with Notts County uh, for a long time and you're still the record goal scorer for the club and I think you know every Notts fan knows that but I didn't know until recently was that your first actual goal at Meadow Lane was against Notts I believe when you were at Rotherham. Yes um, I'm 
one of the guys that came into football through the back door. No coaching in the days that I played. I was the uh, young lad, lived in the wilds of Derbyshire, miles away from football civilization, shall we call it, who kicked the ball up against the house side and enjoyed playing in the school football team and, and left school, went to work, played for a local pub team on Saturday afternoons and then got the opportunity to, to have a trial at the age of um, 18 and moved on from that, became, um, well, got the opportunity of, of, of playing in Rotherham United's reserve team against some very good quality players. In fact, my second match as a, as a full-time professional was against Middlesbrough, who had in their ranks playing Don Masson at Wingard. <laughs> so we go back quite a long way. Um, but it was wonderful to come through the ranks in, in, in that way. And, and, and certainly it was a great feeling to become a professional footballer. Um, in my younger days, televisions weren't about in great numbers. You were very lucky to see one. Um, and so you didn't see any role mo models on the TV. My ro role model was Roy Race of Melchester Rovers. Oh, in oh, the comic yeah. who did yeah. the, the whiz beating past six men and sticking <laughs> in the top corner. That was uh, my role model. <laughs> so I tried to emulate him when I first started playing, but um, didn't um, didn't manage to achieve that. Um, no, done no, no, very very happy happy times and um, to play through football in, 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 in those years, get that opportunity with Rotherham um, and then to move to Knox County, the oldest football league club and and become the club's all-time ice goal scorer is just um, a massive honour to me. Excellent. And through that time, obviously, you've played with some great players that will also you know, go down in Knox County or already do. Like you already mentioned, Darn and... Uh, you know, Needham was there at the time, and I think we did a. I remember we did a little event, if you remember, down at the yeah. Meadow Club. We did. We had stubs there as well. And, yeah. But yeah, it's. Um, interestingly enough, I've, I've um, along with um, another Notts County legend off the pitch, Terry Bowles, who um, was responsible for producing match day programmes and all the media connected to the club for 40 years, I've um, written a book. Uh, which is um, my, it covers my younger days, my birth, my younger days, coming into football, playing for Rotherham, playing for Notts County, playing for Stockport County, Wigan Athletic and my final match against Bristol Rovers. Um, we've, we've written that book and, and to launch the book, I felt the need to get in touch with all the living players that... Um, had shared the honour of playing Notts County first team with me. Yeah. Um, and there's 68 still alive. I've got 64 of their addresses. And I wrote <laughs> to them all with a personal invitation. And um, so far, um, I've had 21 responses to come along. Um, I've also had 21 responses uh, from people that can't make it. Yeah. But it's going to be wonderful to see players that were here when I joined, Terry Thompson, Mick Rose, uh, Stan Marshall, Brian Bates, and also people when we became a successful team in the Jimmy Cyril era, got promotion from the old fourth division. Um, Barry Watling, the goalkeeper, Bob Worthington, uh, Brian Stubbs and Dave Needham, Don Masson. Mick Jones, um, Richie Barker's coming along, Roy Brown, um, and even a guy who played in my final game, which was, was my testimonial match against Forrest, Ian McCulloch. <laughs> so we've, um, we've got a huge cross-section of, of football legends coming and um, it's going to be wonderful to see them all again. Yeah, and I think just listening to those names as well, I don't know if any Notts fans listening or... You know, a lot of them will be there, like, oh, just hearing their names and reminding them that that period of time. Um, it's an up and down experience following following knots. I think we were voted most stressful club 
support at one point. And obviously we've had, you know, there's not many clubs can say they had what we had with the whole Monto and, you know, all that. So yeah. there's, it, there's like, there's sort of, if you sat down, there's sort of bunches, isn't there, of times, and we may be at the start of another yeah. one of them, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, there's a guy that never gets a mention in the history of Notts County, and that um, that's the manager who signed me, Billy Gray. He had an eye for a player. Um, he brought in um, the likes of Dave Needham, Brian Stubbs, Don Masson, Bob Worthington. Um, he signed myself. I'm not sure whether John Nixon, but there, there was a nucleus of, of, of youngsters with talent that, that wanted to make a success of, of football. But I didn't think that Billy quite had the know-how of, of getting the best out of that group collectively. Um, and unfortunately, he, he left the club. Um, Jack Dunnett got, got rid of uh, Billy and brought in Billy Gray, who was his manager. Uh, sorry, brought in uh, um, Jimmy Cyril, who, who was his manager at Brentford when he owned Brentford Football Club. And obviously that's when the success story really kicked off for me um, and my colleagues during the sort of late 60s and through the 70s. And it was born out of educating each player what was required from them in their position in the team. It wasn't about going out and expressing yourself on the pitch. It was doing a job. Um, and in my case, my job was to cause as many problems as I could in and around the 18-yard box by upsetting defenders into making mistakes, to create chances, to score goals. Um, to, if I talk about fullbacks, in the fullbacks, first instance, they must look to pass the ball to the winger. And if that wasn't on, then it went inside to Don Masson. If that wasn't on, it went long to myself, Richie Barker, um, Tony Hale, whoever was playing up front, never ever was it past square, which is what you see a lot yeah. in, in modern football. There was a belief that if you pass the ball square in your own area, in your own half, it could finish in the back of your net. So um, each Tuesday and each Thursday under Jimmy Cyril, um, we had full-scale practice matches where every player was educated what was needed from the role that they played. And when people say to me, who was the most skillful player in the team then, every supporter will say one man, Don Masson. Yeah. Don Masson, in my view, was the best player. But how do you define skill? Could Don Masson have played centre-half role like Brian Stubbs? So there's a skill needed for each position that you're playing. There's a reason it's a team game. Absolutely, through and through. And... Uh... So you, obviously you were there when Jimmy first came in, and I think well, obviously we all know the history of where it went, how it went with Jimmy. But what was it like when he first came in? I mean, I don't. What was the crowd? Because he wasn't a massively. I mean, he, yeah, he was um, Scott. He came in with a um, broad Scottish accent. It was difficult to understand. Um, he addressed the group collectively, the, the players collectively, and he stressed that he was very upset that wherever he drove in and around the ground, there were lots of people with red and white scarves on, and he was going to change that. He was going to, he was going to see lots of black and white scarves. And over the period of the years, um, with his education, what I've just talked about to the, the players, we became a stronger team and, and initially we learned how not to concede goals at home how to win matches how to go from nil nils to winning matches one nil which you've seen recently yes. with the Notts County team um, and then how to go away from home pick up points and then we got to such a stage where we felt we couldn't be beaten we could go home and away and win matches and we did that and we did that against high-quality opposition. We, we were a very, very strong group together. 
and we won things together, not as individuals. Excellent, and I think well, we we can all see what what came from that. And as you mentioned earlier, I think the importance of there's so much to management, isn't there? You know, say it's not just spotting the player, it's not just coaching the or putting the formation yes. out. It's such, a, and it, that's why I think it's like a team is so important in the management. It's it's not just the team. In, in, in the days that I played, there was possibly 15 players in a football squad. There was a team plus one sub. Um, and virtually that was the same week in, yeah. week out. And there was three or four players on the fringe battling away to get in. Nowadays, it's completely different um, for all the reasons that they tell you. I, I, I don't know. Um we played in those days at Easter time. We played Good Friday, <laughs> Saturday, and Monday. Three, three games in four days. Same team, um, and I don't recall people moaning about fitness or, or or being tired. It was part and parcel. Don't know. Maybe we we're not as athletic as the, as the current player. Um, um, I ju- I just don't know. But um, certainly. Different times. Yeah, so it's definitely very different. Yeah. Game, even in the like, just the last sort of 15, 20 years, it's changed. The game is today is not the same game that I played. Yeah. Um, you've talked about me being the club's highest goal scorer. Um, on Saturday, not, sorry, not Saturday, on Sunday morning, I watched Premiership goals and saw... Tottenham beat West Ham 3-2. Harry Kane scored two goals. In the days that I played, he wouldn't have scored any. He'd have been offside on both accounts for the goals he scored. The offside law is completely different. So it's got to be a different game, hasn't it? You can't be playing a game in that manner. There are now seven substitutes sitting on the the touchline. When I first started, there was one, and that one player couldn't go on unless somebody was injured to come off. Eventually, a player yeah. was told to go down and be injured <laughs> to come off, but that's um, that's how it all started. Um, I don't know whether it's a better game for it. I can't answer that. Um, I know when I first started playing, I used to speak with Jackie Sewell and he talked about an era before mine, which was far better than the era that yeah, I was playing in. So um, it may go with the territory. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but I like to think we was football was far more entertaining in those days. Um, and I think watching the game here on Saturday it very much resembled the game that I played. I've, I never enjoyed a game so much for 90 minutes I, as watching Saturday's game. I think that's a derby thing, isn't it? Possibly. Not sure whether it was a derby or, or, or not, but um, it was played with old-fashioned... Yeah, Ideals don't play football in your own half, you know. Get it in the other, yeah. as we, we showed in the second half. We got the ball in their half, we passed it around, we made them move, and we created chances. Yeah. We didn't do so much passing in our half. I think that is, that is key. So many times you watch football at the highest level and defenders are knocking the ball around for fun with each other. Yeah. You can fall asleep too. Ticky ticky, I think they call it, don't they? Yeah. The you you make an attack down the right-hand side, get to the corner flag and then pass it all the way back to your goalkeeper. I remember even even when I was playing football at school as a kid, one of the first things you were told is you never pass the ball across your own box. You never do it. And you got, you got you know, taken over the... Yeah. You know, and how cold as it is as if you, you did that. Because yeah. like you said earlier... It takes it takes a little lack of attention, and someone nipped in and took that and put yeah. it in the back of the net. You you go that way, the ball goes that way, yeah. the opposition's way. But um, I'm interesting. You were talking about I think you did like 11 years uh, playing at Notts, and obviously you've still got the record. And you look at now, and it seems unlikely, at least certainly in the, the current era, football, that anyone would be around at the club long enough to come close to that now. Um, because particularly lower, you know, there are you get up to the top of the league where there's a lot more money, and clubs like you know Ryan Giggs can stay at one club, but you get down to League Two and the play players do two maybe three years at a club now, don't they? Yeah, as I say, it is entirely different game to the game I played. When I played football, 
once you signed that contract for that club, you were that club's property until they wanted you to leave. So I could have signed for Notts County for £20 a week for one year. That contract comes to a close at the end of that year. I could have scored 50 goals. And I'll say to Notts County, I want £50 a week now. And they say, no, we're keeping you on the same money. And I say, no, I'm going to leave. And they say, fine, yeah, go and find another job, but we will hold your registration. You can't go and play football for anybody else, even though my contract yeah. is finished. So that's how it was in those days. Um, and it was not until the Bosman ruling yeah. um, and freedom of contract kicked in. Um, and, and now it's made it so easy for players um, to move. Uh, and, and so, you know, to break my record, I just can't see it happening for one minute because players with any potential playing at this level of football will be taken on by okay. premiership clubs. Um, I think my friend who's a Chelsea supporter told me the other day that they've currently got 36 players out on yeah. loan around yeah. the world. Okay. Um, young players who are showing potential, look like they could make a good career. So they signed up and then formed out to play. And if they make it, they make it. If they don't... Off they go. Yeah, there's a lot of that. They'll, they'll sign the player and then let them stay at that club they've signed them from for a season or yeah. whatever. You, you don't think. see too much of that happening, do you? No. It's, it's... Um, there, there is a strategy of going through, like last season, we we had Mark Bowler from Arsenal here, young fullback, cutting his teeth in football. Arsenal decided they'll load him out to try and um, improve his development and he had a great time here. You know, we tried to get him back on, on, on loan again this season, but Arsenal decide he's he's done his time at this level of football, and they they ship him on to Bristol Road, yeah. playing in a league above, um, and that's what's going on with the development of, of of young footballers with talent. If they're down at the bottom end, and they're showing enough potential to be Premiership quality, then the Premiership club will take them. Obviously, at the minute, a prime example of someone who's cutting their teeth in that way is obviously George Grant. Yeah. I mean, just to be able to get him back again for the season, as you say, it would have been quite easy for Forrest to have sent him off um, to to the you know the League One club. He did, you know, he did like say did a very good spell here yeah. end of the last season. Um, I think obviously the relationship between the two clubs, the proximity, the fact that it's not a big upheaval to to move is obviously something that I think. Yeah, Alan and Kevin very seem very keen to promote. Well, it, it's it's a um, a massive um, package to put together to a young player, in in that here's the opportunity to play first team football without changing your living habits. You stay, you know, with your mum and dad if that's where you are. You no need yeah. to move home. You're not going into rented accommodation or into a hotel. Because that must be awful um, to go down that that scenario. So, you know, we've got good relationships with Forest, good relationships with Derby. Um, you know, so the bigger clubs can interact with clubs down at, at, at this level. Yeah. Um, and and we've got two gems in 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 um, Grant and um, Yates as well. Yes, two fantastic players who are developing. Um, great attitudes as well. They haven't come down to division, shall we say, um, to become big-time charms. Yeah. They're wanting to learn, they're wanting to work, and they feel part of the settle. And um, they're in also part of that great dressing room spirit that is showing out on it the It does the feel, pitch. obviously, from what's, what you're seeing, and that there is a, a real spirit that if it definitely didn't feel like was there you know, in previous seasons um, I think even um, a couple of the players that joined last season and played and said it went from being the worst dressing room they had been in to now the best and I've been seeing this with some of the videos that have been coming out of uh, I think it was in Matt Tootle on the training field and just did a little slug thing and mm. things like that and I think that's I think people don't realise the importance of a good 
that is such a vital thing of confidence. Did you enjoy the goal celebration on Saturday? Yeah, as I say, it was the. That's um, um, one the um, DJ fullback. Um, oh dear, come on, DJ. The the fullback from Mansfield played for Mansfield. Went to Leighton Orient. I can't think of his name just for now. Tall lad. Right back. For Mansfield? No, That's a... for us. For... Oh. Doesn't, he didn't play. He's, he's, um, we brought him in this season. Come on. Oh. <laughs> Come on, they come back to me when I'm finished. He's played several games this year when Tootle was... Who um, played right back when Tootle was out? Big tall lad. And a bit thin on top. Sorry. But he was in the dugout with the, the um, music. Ah, okay. And listen, they all went yeah. down doing that. You know, they all part of part and parcel of the... That's good, that's good to see. Yeah. But, um, I, you were talking about how much the football has changed. And I do think it does definitely feel like... Um, you know, this because players move around and a lot more, it, there's less of a sort of. In fact, when I remember when I was a kid, you kind of felt a lot more part of everything. You, you, you knew the players almost. Players mingled as well, but it, this doesn't happen so much in the modern game, does it? But you know, there's. Players, yeah, like, we played the game, the game finished. We went into the club where all the supporters were. We mixed with the supporters, we had a pint with the supporters. They got to know us as people. Um, they got to know us that we probably weren't always 100% when we went out there. We might have a cold or yeah. bad cough, but we played with it. And so they got to know us as people. So when they watched the game and sometimes we weren't on song, they may have a little sympathy and went with that, as opposed to not knowing who that person is and seeing that person as a commodity that's earning X thousand pounds and, yeah. and not trying. That's that's because they don't know them. That's the perception yeah. of people when they're having an off day or um, they're looking a yard slower. That's like they're not trying. They don't know that maybe they're carrying a bit of an injury or yeah. And 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 I feel to blame for that. Two things: social media is one very high that, yeah. on on the agenda, as we've seen over recent times with with um, Wayne Rooney. Um, you know, there's a guy. Um, I'm talking about the one when he was at the wedding. He's in the same hotel as the wedding, and he was asked by the guest to come. Yeah, you know, uh, and he went in and, and they photographed yeah. him and. It just you know, so I understand players keeping away from 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 all that side of it. It makes life very difficult for them. What's really thing inside is the same people that are roasting players for that are the same people that are moaning, then moaning that these players aren't one of the lads aren't people anymore. So they can't, you can't, they can't win, can they? I mean, I, I, I'm sure. You, I mean, you clearly look at. For knots back then, you take the diary of a football nobody, and I mean, I don't know if you saw the stage adaptation of it, yeah. and that was amazing, brilliant. And Billy did a great job. And the book itself, I love the book. I've not read the second one yet, but I love yeah. the first one. Yeah. You couldn't have that book about football now, could you? Because you know the cabin yeah. out, the, the club well, in, and the book was about Nottingham in that era. Yeah, it was Nottingham through the seventies, how life was during that that that, that era. Um, and Billy portrayed it magnificently, really. Um, if somebody had told me you're going to go and watch a show for two hours with four people possibly working in it, you would, without any props, <laughs> you'd say, oh, dear, this is going to be boring. But it was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, and I, I can't remember what his name is now, but the, the guy from the bill that played yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, you could have... Well, there was a night when a lot of former players went and um, we sat there watching and looked at each other. Is that Jimmy? It was that sort of... Uh, <laughs> Feel to it, yeah. It's like you said. Now you try to think. If you did a show of that now, it would just be like two hours of tweets, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, like you say, it... Nicky Hunt. Oh, oh yes, yeah, because yeah, he got he got 
roasted in the first game, didn't he? Yeah. And he's he's but he's since then is. Yeah. And he's apparently he's, he's quite a keen enthusiast. He's enthusiast as a DJ, plays music. I think he entertains the lads. Ah, okay. Plays a bit of music, and it's all this with him. And that <laughs> all the players they were all doing that, weren't they? The uh, celebration. There's been a few this season, hasn't there? Uh, yeah. I know George Pant did, a, you know, when he, early on in the season, he had a couple, didn't he? Didn't yeah. He? Uh, there's the, probably something to work on through training. Uh, the one, uh, I think it was uh, two or dead. The slog mm. where he dropped on the floor and did, and that has gone around. That was on Sky. I know. His goal obviously got goal of the the week. Yeah. And then it was they were like, mm, what's this celebration? <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean, like I mean, it's so good to see though, isn't it? Yeah. These players are having fun. It creates a feel good factor about the place, doesn't it? Yeah. That's that's what's. Lovely being down here now. People are coming to matches, smiles across the faces, it, and uh, it feeds, doesn't it? It, it off does. The pitch. There's no moaning and groaning at this stage, you know. And uh, very supportive of the players. Um, a recent match, uh, Carl Dickinson, who took quite a lot of stick last year, he went down the left hand side and. I think he ran about sixty yards. He must have been tated and right. He went to cross the ball. And, as he went to cross with his left foot, he touched the ball with his right and it went out for a goal kick. And all the main stand got up and clapped him. Whereas I know last year at this stage they would have been good There's a couple of players that came in at the beginning of last season that, you know, that's happened to. There's a difference in them mm. since, you know, yeah, since the, the turn. Well, a group of players came in last year who'd... Um, all had success of promotions. Duffy, Dickinson, O'Connor from Port Vale, they'd all seen happy times there. So you would think they'd have, they were very good acquisitions and it looked good, but it, it, it started off well, didn't we? And it's almost something happened behind the scenes. I'm not sure what. And off we went on this run that um, 10 matches. Lost everyone, didn't it? Started at Blackpool, I think. I went to that game and we were diabolical that day. Um, and um, it just went from, from bad to worse each game. And Duffy's the one that's done yeah. the most as a player that, you know, I think he, he took the ex, you know, he, he did a renegotiated his deal, didn't he? Because he had an yeah. automatic. And yeah. there was a, I think it was a lot of, at, at, at that point in the season, I think there was a lot of fans that would have. Like to have seen the back of it, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, by the end of the season, he was, yeah, in fan favorite. You know. Now, this season, he's uh, created a relationship with um, with um, Brisley, yeah. He's been magnificent in my eyes. He goes and wins every ball, and Duffy sweeps up behind him. He's Duffy's a very good footballer, can read the game, and um, they've been working very well together. So, he just shows you that it's not just about. Being good on the pitch, is it? And I knew you, I think you yourself talked about, and a uh, person we've not talked about yet, Jack Wheeler, and the importance he played in taking you to the side. And, you know, when things aren't, because, you know, yes, you, you know, you, you had a fantastic 11 years at us, but everyone, it's all, it, like in any job, it doesn't always, it's not always going well, is it? And no. it, you had, well, if it hadn't been for Jack Wheeler, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have become the all time high goal scorer because, um, in 1969, I, I was told my father hadn't got um, got too long to live. He'd been diagnosed with cancer and things went bad. He had lost focus with the football and took my mind off it and I was out of the team, going nowhere. And um, Kettering Town came in, non-league club, and I thought, should I go there and start a new career, find another job and play part-time football? And... Jack got me in the stand, sat down for an hour and we talked and talked and um, he, he put me back on track, gave me a focus and well, I didn't look back from there really. So I owe my success here. He's right at the top of the list with uh, with Jimmy Cyril. Um, so he, he, he was a top, top man. Um, and he's done virtually every role that there is yeah. in the football club. Manager, caretaker manager, scout, physio, 
painter, decorator, wash lady, kit man, you name it, he's done it. Isn't he? And he did it for the sake of the football club, not for himself. Yeah. Excellent style. I mean, and yeah. obviously um, you were a part of the um, the group for the statue fund. Yeah. And that's how we got to know each other Yeah. early on. And it's, it's so nice to see it out there now. And yeah. that's why I think it was, you know, when it was initially launched, it was so keen to, to have it as Jack and Jimmy, you know, because I think early in, Things were to have a statue of Jimmy Thirrell, but yeah. the two people who are synonymous with this. Well, it was very, very important to me that um, when the sculptor came in, in the discussions, that the the statue was going to portray the pair and the quality of the pair. We didn't want to see Jimmy up there and Jack yeah. down there. So the situation came with the bench and the pair of them sat on the bench. Um, and, and it was important for me that the statue portrayed what the players saw, as well as the image that the, um, the supporters yeah. had, had as well. And, yeah, it's outside the ground. It's, it's a wonderful statue. We're getting a lot of, lots of comment on, on it's probably one of the best statues that they've seen of football. It's, it's personnel and, you know... Um, it, it's it's done at a level that people can go and sit on the on the bench, have the photograph taken. Yeah, I, I just think it's it's wonderful, and I think it's in a great position, just outside of the ground. The passing passing yes. traffic can see it, and um, yeah, and it's lovely wonderful. on that that little route. Yeah, as you come out, you know, off off London the Road from, from the Nav, London Road yeah. to the ground. The it's, ground. A, it's a meeting point on match days for supporters. Yeah. So um, I'd like to see a couple of benches there so people can sit and maybe have lunch. And... Yeah, because it's just one seat and then yeah. in between. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, obviously the bench as well. A huge part of the success of that statue, which finished up costing over £100,000, was um, the initiative to have the names um, yeah. on the plaque around it. You know, that raised well over £30,000. And I think that has been very, very good for the support. Yeah. Wish to be possibly remembered alongside um, them two in that era. It was a, and it, you say, we bought in, I think it, like you say, I mean, the, the, the price ended up, obviously the cost, as things do, never match what you initially planned. Yeah, you, I think the, the, uh, the statue the, itself costs 70, just over £70,000, but when you put the the plinth, the excavation, yeah. everything else that went with it, 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 it exceeded just over 100000 But thanks to the supporters, uh, everybody that contributed um, and there were some nice donors can't name them all PFA I know they certainly put money in um, um, Alex, Ferguson. Alex Ferguson put put he's very close closely attached to Jimmy the council they helped us with the um, the site itself and um, the building project so yeah I could go on and on and on there's so many people that, that, that helped. I think it's it's incredible as well when you think that this is we're talking about a club that you know for the last decade or more have been averaging six seven thousand fans in the ground. So that's an you know I mean that's an that's an incredible accomplishment for a club with forty thousand fans every week. Never mind you know not even you know only now we're starting to get the games where we yeah. Uh, there's big. lots of hurdles along the way. I think it was about five years that it took to raise it yeah regardless it was a wonderful achievement and everybody involved should be congratulated it's um it's a lasting mon monument to two very honored and valuable people in the history of this club definitely, definitely. and uh, just moving back to your career before we get wrap up before too but obviously it's got a lot of goals at meadow lane but are there any any particular ones that stand out when you look back um, obviously, with writing the book, I've been asked that question as as well. And as soon as I start to think about it, I start to think it wasn't about individual success. It was the team, always the group. But there are obviously games um, that we won where goals counted. And obviously, the last-minute goal at the at the city ground. Yeah, of course. Um, nil-nil. 
probably been under the cosh most of the game and then a pop-up and get the last-minute winner with a header. You know, great, great satisfaction from there. Um, probably the, the, the one goal that stands out above all the others is, um, is the one I scored against Walsall. Um, and it was really because it was the distance out. It was somewhere between 35, 40 yards from goal. John Nixon had hit the ball across to me and it was, uh, we were shooting at the, um, the cop end and I just caught the ball on my thigh and it dropped lovely. I don't know why, but I just swung and hit it and it dipped just underneath the crossbar into the net. It was one of the most fantastic thumps of a ball I've probably ever hit. So that goes down. Um, as I say, most most of the goals were part and parcel of doing a job and um, helping us to achieve what we had set out to do, which each year was was get promoted. Yeah, I'm working on the book, like he says. Obviously, you mean you've done a lot of time looking back at at those. So, were there any moments as you were writing that it was like, oh wow, I've forgotten about that, and it's just amazing memories that sort of. There's been plenty. Plenty of those, and some of those didn't actually happen. Really? So I have a memory of a of um, one of the players at um, on Boxing Day at Bradford running off the pitch um, in the first half. In those days, we were always under the cosh. The ball generally seemed yeah. to be in our penalty area, and a, and, a, and a player ran off, wanting to go to the loo and came back on again and in the half-time team talk the manager Billy Gray didn't even know that he'd gone off and I talked to Brian Bates about it he was in the same team we remember the occasion very well but when you check the stats this player wasn't in our team he didn't play <laughs> so I'm just gobsmacked by, yeah. by that and the end of it all who, prov- who produces statistics who, who verifies statistics yeah. I mean a lot of people think that I broke the record by scoring a goal against Wolves. The national newspapers, I've got them in my scrapbook. Brad breaks record. The goals been again. We've, Terry Bowles and myself have gone through all the history of uh, my record, all the goals, and also Tony Hately's record. That's the one that I beat. And the goal I scored against Wolves equaled his record. Ah, so it was all, it was actually the next goal. Yeah. <laughs> so it's amazing what, yeah. when you go back and you talk and yeah. with the stats, but who, who, who's responsible for saying that stat is correct? And of course, you if you understand what I mean, can anybody all, verify that actually happened? programmed into um, computers that add everything instantly. You know, now you put the goal in and it, you've got some computer program going and checking it of everything. This was all, yeah. that wasn't happening then. We said, we like, like some guy with relied a on a person, yeah. yeah, looking yeah. through a book. Yeah. Missed the goal of his. Yeah. Or yeah. Missed the goal of his or added an extra one to yours or yeah. either way. Yeah. Um, but that, I guess that makes for a fascinating little anecdote yeah. to discover though. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, they're in the book. <laughs> <laughs> so on that, we'll, uh, onto the book, if you want, it's just you've got the launch uh, coming up next month, seventh. Seventh of October, uh, before we play Forest Green, I've um, I've written to um, all the players who have played with, as I've said, and invited them along. And there's um, 21 coming, so um, we're, we're going to meet at the um, Broken Wheelbarrow, which is the old Meadow Club. Yeah, have a tea and a coffee, um, and um, then I'm going to get them lined up because there's over 200, possibly 300 supporters coming along who've pre-ordered the book. Um, they'll be coming along wanting that book signed. I think I'm in for a long day of signing books <laughs> that day. And uh, Colin Slate is coming along also and he's going to interview one or two of those players. Key memories um, through incidents in the book. Um and then there's going to be a mingling with the supporters for everybody to possibly get memorabilia signed and relive some happy times that they had supporting knots. Um, and then we're going to be moving across here to to enjoy a meal before watching the match against um, Forest Green. 
Um, and then the book obviously is going to be on sale, available through the um, the club shop in hardback and paperback uh, versions. Twenty pound for the hardback and twelve ninety nine for the paperback. Um, they can be ordered online as well through the um, the Magpie store. It's called Far Post. It's called Far Post. Um, and it's named that because um, in the days that I played, as I say, there wasn't too much in terms of social media or things like that. So you generally um, left um, a mate, um, an opposition player, by saying to them, um, see you on the far post, which ah. is a means of seeing you when I see you. Yeah, excellent. I like that. Brilliant. It's quite a common saying on the pitch, see you on the far post. I like that. <laughs> Hence the uh, the name of the book. Excellent. Brilliant. That sounds great. Uh, excellent. I'll wrap up just one final question. If you could, uh, what's your sort of overriding memory you would say of your time at Knotts? Because you've obviously you've been involved in Knotts not just as a player but a long time since then. You're still an ambassador for the club now. You're still involved in football in the community. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll be celebrating my seventieth birthday in November. And um, as I look back over the years now, I've got many, many personal happy memories of the promotion, two promotions that I had with Notts County. Um, and then after my football retirement working here, the, the two playoff victories under Neil Warnock's leadership were outstanding, particularly the one against Brighton. Yes, um, okay. which steered the club into the top level of football. Couldn't believe it. Um, so, great celebrations that night. Um, and then, sort of moving more modern era, when things, you know, the club's sort of gone through very unhappy times, yo-yo in administration. Um, 20 years ago, next year it's going to be since Sam Allardyce came in and was it a record that he, he yeah, achieved? It in, in March, in, it, yeah. Took them up in, yeah, in March, was it 100 points? Yeah, um, we, I mean, we... Great set of lads, great to watch and uh, it's a great shame that uh, Sam left and went to Bolton. Uh, I fully understand why, but there we go. It's a shame um, as well that it led to such a such a yeah. sour taste for a lot of fans. I mean, it's just it's one of them things where it's always going to be far more than anyone is ever yeah. going to know. But it, yeah. it's a shame because he did such a great thing here, but he left yeah. for many fans. He was, you know. Yeah, and I think with that in mind, um, Alan Hardy has secured the services of Kevin Noland for three more years. Yes. But if he if for some reason he's invited by another club to join for an unbelievable offer and feels that's the route he has to take, the club are going to get compensated for it. Yeah, you've got so, to accept that. When, you know, well, that's the way football is now um, because you also see that side of it. There is another side that you could get sacked yes. as well. In, Sometimes it doesn't take long for that to happen. Like we already. see already this year um, um, John Sheridan, who saved Oldham twice over recent years from getting relegated. You know, they've started off badly. They're currently down at the bottom. They've, they've parted company already. So not the first. less than 10 <laughs> matches gone and <laughs> he's gone. And it's, it's, that's, that's the field. Yeah. That's all it... Um, Jack Lester, apparently, who's I think yeah. coaching at Forest, yeah. and he's favourite to go there in Chesterfield. I mean, yeah. yeah they do. So you know that's the way football's gone. It's um, a lot different. I think it would be great if we could go back to the days of shorter term contracts for players, and maybe ensuring that a manager can fulfil. A season's work, yeah, before getting the sack. 
clubs they sack managers but get no guarantees that the next manager is going to and then that comes with costs because yeah. you can't you can't take a manager out it, you know you've got to pay that manager you've yeah. got to pay a new manager there's all the new manager's always going to want guarantees of money to bring in his own i think over recent years at one time we were paying um six managers yeah, i mean <laughs> you've you've been at the club at you know, and we've got through some managers, haven't we, in the last decade? I mean, I think it's 13 managers since we got promotion in 2010. And, you know, yeah, I was going to say, I know, I mean, that season itself, the season, the infamous season, it had a good end to it, obviously, mm-hmm. although it's on, possibly ongoing effects are still being, probably, I mean, we got through three managers in that season, didn't we? And Glenn Cottrell went at the end of it. Yeah, I started with him at Parland, didn't we? Yeah. Followed by... Hands back was for about three, four weeks, wasn't yeah. it? And then Kevin... Followed by... Who followed him? Was yeah, Kevin. Dave Kevin did two, two... He's done several caretaker runs, hasn't he, in his time? He was certainly manager when Steve Cottrell came Yeah, in. he was... He, he that did. was a Fulham match, wasn't it? Yeah, the, I think the he, FA Cup. he did... When Parland went... Then he was a manager for maybe a couple of yeah. games. Then back came in and he went very quickly, didn't he? Yeah. As soon as it was apparent that Sven was on. So the there's four that season. Yeah. And the following season started with Craig. Craig, Craig sure. Yeah. And then who followed Craig? Is that Paul was Prince And then Alan. He came Ma- in. Martin Allen. Allen. No, no, they had another. Somebody else came in. The youth. Oh, uh, Kawamia at one point. No. Was that prior? I think he was the academy coach. Manage. Was it just for two, like two games? He lost. Higgs. Higgs. Yeah, yeah, he caretaker manager. And he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't. He, um, he let you and then yeah. I think. And then Alan. And then yeah. Curl and Co-op. probably four or five. That <laughs> yes. season, two it's only about two seasons. Nine it? managers. It's just incredible, isn't it's, it? Yeah. But it's. But you, as a fan, there's an element of blame we have to take for that. There's no patience with fans anymore. No, you know they're soon calling for mm. managers to be out. It's something that's trickled down. But it's just it's the modern game, isn't it? Well, you see quite a lot of business people coming into football think they know the solution, the way forward, and it's them with a brick, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I think well, that's ultimately though that it, it's because it, it, one of the big thing differences now is that it is a business, isn't yeah. it? Um, massively yeah it's not not just the it's not just the sport that you know you all go much on a Saturday and there's so many sections to that business as well yeah very, very difficult yeah good that yeah. all right then Darren that's brilliant thank you very much good. for your time yeah, no, no problem at all mate schedule. thank you very much thank So there you go. Hope you enjoyed that fascinating chat with Notts County legend Les Brad. Uh, I have to say, I think I agree with that. I don't see his fantastic goal scoring record being broken. Uh, certainly not something I can ever see happening anytime in the near future. So there you go. And as I said, Les's book is out next weekend. I'm sure it'll be a fascinating read. Obviously, if you've been involved in the club for many, many years, both on the pitch. And behind the scenes, and I played at some of the best years of Notts's uh, history and with some of the best players that have ever wore the black and white shirt. So make sure you check that out. It will be available, of course, from the Notts County Club Shop. And uh, hopefully you'll be down at the game next week. We said it's some great offers on at Notts. I think it's only £10 for a ticket. It's the community day. Forest Green Rovers, a bit of a tasty summer with them. Uh, as we saw, there was a lot of uh, going back and forth criticisms with regards to the uh, long-winding uh, issue over Liam Noble last season. And hopefully Notts can keep up their great form at home. It's been a great start to the season so far. Hopefully that can continue. And hopefully you enjoyed the show. We'll be back with another one soon. Uh, we've got a couple more lined up for you. I'm not exactly sure which one we'll be airing next. So keep an eye on us on uh, Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Digital. And we'll announce the next guest for the show as soon as we've uh, got that ready for you. And, of course, follow us on Twitter at NGDigitalUK. Get in touch with us to let us know what you think about the show. You can contact us through Twitter or Facebook or at info at 
ng-digital.co.uk. If you've got any suggestions for guests, if you're listening to this and thinking you'd be a good guest for the show, get in touch. We're always looking to speak to people. And if you've got any ideas, suggestions of what we should cover, let us know. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Enjoy your rest of your evening or whatever you're doing. And we'll see you soon. Goodbye.